Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode number 35 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Stahl. Hi guys, I'm Barbara Wojan and we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had four days off, which is pretty rare in our industry. <laughs> yeah, definitely take advantage of these long extended weekends because we all know in this industry what Thanksgiving means. It means crazy. All <laughs> oh, the rush cases are about to start. You know, everyone that needs their teeth by Christmas decide to go to the dentist next week, so... Everybody be prepared. Pretty much. <laughs> we're supposed to be so happy right now, and we're all so strung out from being overworked and all the rush cases that by the time Christmas rolls around, I'm pretty much dead. Yeah. Yay, holidays. <laughs> in about three weeks, everybody will be going into the dentist to redo number nine mm-hmm. in a difficult shade that they yep. want by Christmas. Tis the season. This week, we are continuing our conversation with John Schwartz and Trevor Willenberg from Labworthy. They talk about some interesting trends in our industry that they have gathered from the data they collected. What's funny is some of these trends they talk about, some are obvious and some are really not so obvious. And it's kind of interesting. So let's continue with John and Trevor. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. You know, whether a lab wants to listen to that or believe in it, it certainly provides a clue as to where they can start digging to get better. So what are the top five NPS score killers that you're hearing <laughs> in our industry? So number one, let, let me just make sure I have the, I have the dates. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so over the last year, uh, the number one thing that is, that is driving issues is turnaround. And mm. turnaround is having you know, a pretty big impact on, on the NPS score. So, so that's one place you're going to want to look. Um, and that one makes a lot of sense. The other is aesthetics. Uh, (laughs) we have, we have issues with aesthetics that, that come up. And then the third is issues with cases, following instructions, all of those types of things. That's a very, very, very big issue for, for, for Dennis. Yeah. And then finally the removable work, Oh my God! That's so true. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, 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 that's like Bing, 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 Bing. Yeah. Oh. Removable is you know something that we don't have a lot of technicians left doing, and the ones that are doing it are older, and you know you have less skill level coming into the industry. A lot of it's outsourced. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. And what's really interesting about what we do here is we we actually can break each of those things down into sub themes. So denture cases, rates really high, occlusal guards, um, those types of things yeah. actually yeah. are pretty big driving, driving that um, NTI, that sort of thing. So, so we, on our dashboard, you can go deep into sub themes and then actually see the comments lined up with your sub themes. That's what sort of our algorithm does is it breaks everything down in a granular way. So if you have an issue like, for instance, you know, issues with cases, that's a pretty big thing. But what we see is that following instructions is the thing that's most commonly referenced in the MPS scores. Hmm. Um, return of cases would be sort of the second most responded to, you know, like we have to send stuff back for adjustments, sure. um, that yeah. sort of thing. So you know, and, and what, what the other kind of interesting trend that I see here is that you have people come in who are detractors and 
it's not because all of their cases suck. It's because like two important ones suck. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like, yep. you think you're building this wall of loyalty with these people and then it's maybe one or two cases and they're just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah. And th- that's why consistency is so important, right? It's because how fickle, you know, people can be. You, you, you can't rely that a, a promoter is going to be a promoter next month. You, you have to, you have to consistently check up on, on people and you see this, you know, throughout, you know, like John said, this is not, a, you know, lab specific thing. We, you see this throughout any, any industry. And I mean, probably the greatest example of all time was, was Blockbuster. When they, when they collapsed, they were a multi-billion dollar company. All of a sudden we have the advent of all these new technologies and, you know, without, you know, making any adjustments, they don't know what their customers are like, are wanting anymore. They completely collapse. Yeah. True. So it definitely uh, makes a lot of sense. The, those of us who are old enough to remember Friday nights at Blockbuster, the smell of popcorn. I mean, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and so, so then also what I'll, what I'll do for you here quickly is I'll take you through the top. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, more, the things that are driving positive NPS. So this is what, you know, the things that are driving your promoters. The big one is quality of work. So, you know, people really, really appreciate quality of work. Um, people appreciate labs that are that are about quality control, that sort of thing. Uh, and number two, and this is this is something that might be obvious, but also really under the radar, I think, is staff. You know, you see customer service, easy to contact is a big thing. Friendly staff, helpful staff. Literally, we used to have for a while one of the names that would pop up in the analysis, like in the algorithm, would be it'd be like Jim, and we'd be like. What is Jim? How, where is who is Jim? Yeah, <laughs> and it's by the way, it's the delivery driver. And yeah. Jim Jim rolls in. I don't know if he's bringing donuts. I don't know what the deal is, but everybody loves Jim. I have a Jim. Yeah, yeah. I have a Jim, and I've too. heard that from a lot of my clients. They love my yeah. driver. Yeah, you need to capitalize on your Jims. That's what we're learning here. <laughs> yeah, they love the old guys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and what's, what's been really cool about, about this data in the labs that use it is they can go into their staff meetings or their, you know, or even their executive meetings and they'll take this data and they'll say, okay, here's what we really need to improve in our, our NPS right now is, you know, 50, let's say, and you know, the industry average is 57. How do we make up those seven points? Well, okay, this is what the report says. This is where we're losing points and where we need to focus. Hmm. And then they use that data and that feedback to continually improve their lab. And again, this is like getting back to where we started. My whole goal with all of this was, was just to give better data to the industry so they can make better decisions. And, and in an ideal world, that's kind of how it gets used. What are some other industry insights since you guys have so many surveys out there <laughs> and so much data collected and it's constantly coming in and I imagine you're you're spread across the country mm-hmm. yeah. in different size labs small I mean have you sure. done like one man labs do they sure. even invest yeah. in this sort of thing they do Yeah so what sort of insights have you gathered other than just the top 5 and the bottom 5 what else are you seeing in our industry from your viewpoint? You know, what we're starting to see is this, this kind of, um, 
man, it's it, it, it's it's sort of hard hard to explain. The labs that test, it, this is this is a bit of a generalization, but the labs that have embraced technology tend to have a higher MPS score overall, and who have married that technology with smart engagement of their customers. So what that means really is that if, you know, we all know that, you know, the, the, the old idea or not the old idea, but, you know, not, not too long ago, it was like, okay, you know, you're, you're doing this artistic buildup, you know, and it's, it's great and, and it's taking a long time and it's really expensive, but now there's milled zirconia. Now there's, you know, 3D printing. Now there's all this technology. What's happened is that sort of aesthetics is really table stakes. So, you know, okay, great. You have good aesthetics. Everybody has good aesthetics. So now what it's forced labs to think about is what's my real differentiator? And for one of our articles recently, we interviewed Sean Keating and, and Keating, full disclosure, Keating is one of our, one of our customers, but he said something really mm -hmm. interesting and it was, it was kind of obvious, but what I think is something that you're starting to see labs embrace more, which is, and this is his direct quote, you must set yourself apart by something other than what you charge for your services. So plainly speaking, that gets back to the strategy of your lab. If you have used technology to create better aesthetics, and, and the key word we see in the surveys is consistency. So if you're able to achieve yeah. that consistency with your restoration, now you have all of this time that you can spend on other differentiators for your lab. The smart labs that we work with are, doing, are, are starting to look at customer service again. They're starting to look at the customer experience. They're starting to go back to what are the fundamentals of relationship building that we can use technology to drive um, and actually create a better experience for our customers? How do we listen to them more? So they're able to then deliver all the aesthetics, all of the consistency that you would expect, but now they're really differentiating their business along other lines, if, if that makes sense. And Trevor, you might have something to say about this too, because you, you're talking to these guys daily. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think you kind of nailed it, right? It's the people who are willing to adapt to the changing times. I mean, you know, I think we, we talked about this a little bit earlier that the lab industry is kind of in this, this crux of a shift right now. Um, you know, with, with tons of mergers happening right now with the growth of DSOs, not only are, you know, dentists changing, but the way you have to communicate w with people is changing. And, and the, the way that we, you know, see people that we see really succeeding are the ones that are willing to adapt to that change. So, you, you know, whether that's through NPS, whether that's through adapting their technology to the lab, it's, it's all about changing with the time. And Elvis, I'm sorry, you probably started this talking about large and small labs and, and trends there and, and so forth, which... Um, and so what we've, you know, is Trevor works with several, I think maybe two man labs uh, at least um, yeah, right I, in there. It, it's interesting. You know, I think the bigger, the smaller the lab, the more, the less likely they're willing to, to, uh, you know, sometimes even, even just talk with me, but the smaller labs that do talk with me, and and we're able to kind of sit down and have a serious conversation about you know what do you think is driving customers what you know versus what's actually happening 
what are your, what are kind of your goals? Are you looking for stability? Because it's hard to be stable when you're constantly having you know customers churn out of your lab and then having to find new ones. So you know what does that look like? But the ones who have those conversations, we're able to sit down with them, run surveys, get that customer sentiment. I, you know, you see a huge change in just in just the amount of of work on the back end for keeping customers. I think. Yeah, that's interesting because they can't. I mean, usually a small lab can't be dependent on right. price. Exactly. So they have to look at all those other that's factors. Right. I'm a big believer in customer service. I think our industry has really leaned towards you have to create a reason to use your lab other than what you produce. Totally. Yeah. You know, and, and it's and it's interesting. I'll talk to small labs and they'll say, well, I know all 12 of my clients. They're friends. I've, I've, I've been working with some of these dentists for 30 years. So what do I need? You know, what do I need your service for? And it really, it's kind of that funny thing about relationships. Over time, we kind of stop telling the truth. You're, you're not, I don't, I don't mean that like in generality. You calling but, me a liar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's we haven't known each other long enough, Elvin. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but what, what I, I guess what I mean is that almost the longer I've known you, the less I really want to hurt your feelings. And so if my dad, the dentist, used you and I'm a young, a young buck and I'm coming up in the practice and I'm using you, I, you, you might think you have a long relationship with me, but really I might also be looking at other labs that are doing things the way that I might be used to doing them. So the small labs that embrace this kind of thing and can handle that type of feedback, I think are starting from a place of, okay, let's use the data to drive some of my decisions and let's try and suss out the real, the real issues that are happening with, with, with my business. I, th- I think one other interesting point to that is a lot of the smaller labs, one of the biggest reasons that a lot of people are scared to implement something like this is the factor of time. And yes, you know, doing, you know, always implementing a new pro- program does take time, but it takes a lot more time to replace customers than to than to respond in the moment to customers. And so once you kind of start eliminating all that extra work, they realize that you're actually saving time by just upping your customer retention. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Do you guys want to talk about price on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. So that's my next question. So a smaller lab, what does your company offer for price-wise? Because you know a lot of these big labs like Keaton yep. and NDX and all of them, they can afford stuff like this. What about the small to medium lab? <laughs> oh, it's funny. I thought you wanted to talk about price of the industry, but but yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about the industry. Um, <laughs> Happy to talk about that. And, and, you know, I have to say that, you know, Trevor and I work really closely together and he has really helped me understand and, you know, in, in, in working out our business model that there are a lot of small labs that can pay X amount of money and are willing to do that to grow their business. And so we, we have, we have, we do have a tiered pricing model. So we will sometimes Mm -hmm. work with like a one or two man lab to help them start getting data on their business. And what we don't want to do in those situations is have them come back to us and say like, wow, that was really expensive. I didn't seem to get a lot of insights. So sometimes we'll do a trial with a smaller lab just so that they feel comfortable in knowing the data that they get back is going to be effective. Sure. 
It's a big risk. It, it's a big, huge yeah. risk. And, and, and for a bigger company, it's a rounding error on their bar tab. For a smaller company, it's, it's the question of like, do I lease a piece of equipment or not? So yeah, yeah. This is, these are the issues. My, my, mom was, my mom had a candle business growing up. So I kind of grew up in a very small business environment. And, and I knew that those, those little expenditures really added up. So when we work with smaller labs, we can work out things like we'll work on a, a more customized pricing model for them. Or we'll do, like I said, sort of the ability to prove the concept to them before they jump on board and, and start paying. But our, our entire pricing structure is based on the ability to pay monthly. So you don't have to commit to a year of the service unless you want to. And in which case, we'll give you two months for free, which is great. But what we, we, we're based on a SaaS model, software as a service. So you only mm-hmm. pay on a monthly basis. And if at some point you say, man, this isn't driving the value that I thought it would, or in some cases we had, we had a couple labs who were like, this is just altogether too much information right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can, you can cancel at any time and that's totally understandable when you do. But our goal is to keep driving value along that relationship, like any good relationship so that you feel you're getting value out of it. How quick can labs expect to start seeing data pour in? I mean, is it, Usually right after you send that first survey? Yeah, uh, we, we, um, the, the, the typical runway for that data is about a week. That's, we, wow. we, we, get, we give it a week to kind of get even some of the stragglers who you know, literally take that long to get to their email to come in. And then we basically put it on our customer's dashboard. So our customers can log in and see at a glance any time of the day what their NPS score is what the individual NPS scores for their customers are, um, how their NPS score ranks against the industry, and then open up our, our AI reporting, which goes really deep into the sentiment that's being generated from those reports. And in there, they can date delimit it. They can focus on certain themes versus other themes, certain themes that they're getting versus the industry. So we give you a lot of different reporting options Based And then what we do is we'll have a call with you with our customer success team to go over that data. And that and, and like Mark, let's say, who works on our team, will sit down with the lab and say, hey, what I'm noticing here is that you've got an issue with your crowns and people are talking about how they're not seating or whatever it happens to be. So we'll help point out issues and talk about ways to address those in the lab. If a lab wanted to utilize this service, what would they need to do to prepare themselves before they even contact you? And and what I'm thinking about is I'm terrible at getting emails from offices. <laughs> right. I don't think I have probably 10% of them. I have more doctor <laughs> cell phones numbers right, yeah. <laughs> for texting. But would I have to compile the list of emails to be sent out? Uh, such a, such an interesting question. So <laughs> so uh, you know we we ran into this like from day one. It was like oh wait you actually don't have all those email addresses. So what we do we we have a couple we have probably three different ways to deal with that. Let's start from the easiest. The easiest is that let's say you use Labstar as your lab software. We have a we have an API relationship with Labstar, so literally it's as easy as clicking a switch on your Labstar software to turn on what we do, and then automatically your customers will be sent a survey once a month, and usually right after they send a case in. So that's that's the easiest way. We can that's also nice, yeah. yeah we can also do API integrations with other software. 
It just depends on what you're using and and how willing that software company is to work with us to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, some some of the lab software isn't real super API friendly. Some of it is. Just depends. So we can work with mm-hmm. you on that to make it easy. Have you used LabTrack? We have not integrated with LabTrack yet. Okay. Okay. But we we would love to talk to somebody from LabTrack if they're listening. Okay. <laughs> I can make that happen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Barbara uses. That's what I use. I know yeah. a lot of people use yeah. LabTrack. Yep. Yeah, and LabTrack, Magic Touch, uh, th- th- those come up. Those come up a lot. So we would love we'd love to wrap with them about that. And and again, if if it's pretty straightforward from an API perspective, I don't, don't want to get into all the details, but um, sure. So we can do that. We can integrate with Salesforce if you're if for whatever reason you're using Salesforce or you have a CRM. Like a lot of our like you know we work with the DSG and NDX and people like that. And you know they, they'll have a bigger CRM operation that they're involved in, yeah. so we can connect with those. And then, so let's let's take it down a bit. Then let's say that you you don't really have that connection with Lab Software. Maybe hell, maybe you're using QuickBooks. We can mm-hmm. what we can then do is we'll have the Lab export their email addresses into our secure server, where then we can deploy the surveys on their behalf. Which is probably how we work with, you know, eighty percent of our labs right now is is through yeah. that type of export process. Um, everything's secure, all that good stuff, and and we'll we'll do it that way. Now, to your your point, Elvis, you might have more cell phone numbers <laughs> than you have email mm-hmm. addresses, and we we we've we've actually developed a kind of a cool tool now where we can actually send surveys via text as opposed to via email. So you would come to us, and we would work with you to you know send out. Text to the people who have text, email to the people who have email. We just need to be able to correlate that to the name of a person, essentially. And we can also give you the ability to send those text messages on a case-by-case basis. So after a case goes out, somebody in your office can literally just put their cell phone number into the screen and send that survey. Through your program? Through our program. Through our program. Okay. Yeah, we can execute surveys via text and via email through lab labworthy. And uh, just to to kind of spin off of that a little bit, anytime they come to us a, a survey that's not been given to to them via email, there is a small uh, email capture page at the end, so we can start accumulating those on your behalf as well. Do you find a better response on the cell phone? I'll be honest, Elvis. It's pretty new for us. We just launched yeah. this feature. Okay, and so I will. I I would be happy to get back to you on that. Uh, but but we. I was thinking kind of out loud because I know I respond by text a lot more than email. Yeah, I like that feature too. And that's our feeling is yeah. you know communication has kind of divvied that way now. So you know I think we're really excited to see what the response rates are on, on some of these. Yeah, and I noticed Dennis more and more wanting to be responded to yeah. and communicated through text. Oh, yeah. Just because it's, yep. it's quicker and it's, it's easier and you don't have to have that greetings, Dr. So-and-so. You just <laughs> kind of get over all that. You just send the text. That's your tagline, like Elvis. That, so. <laughs> yes, I know. That would be you. It's copyrighted. So walk me through. So if a laboratory such as myself wanted to start a relationship with your company, what's the process at which uh, I would go through? The most important thing, we, you know, uh, you and I would probably sit down and maybe with uh, with Mark from our customer success team, go through, you know, just the platform and really kind of show you in depth, uh, you know, what we do. 
And then the next thing we'll do is, you know, talk to you about your goals and expectations. So what what are you expecting from this? And make sure we align on that because what we don't want is, you know, it doesn't help anybody to start up for a month, realize this wasn't what you thought it was going to be and, and leave. Yeah. You know, we, we really try and make sure that the expectations are set. This is not a magical solution where all of a sudden your churn rates are going to drop down to zero after one month. Um, you know, what this is, is a different way of opening up lines of communication that allow you to really, really try and understand what the driving factors of your clients are. So we'll sit down, have the, have that talk, have those conversations. And then from there, it's really just uh, clicking a link, um, uh, choosing, you know, what kind of uh, like he, uh, like John said we are we do have tiered systems so what tier kind of fits your goals the best gotcha. and and you know entering your credit card and, and going from there but it, it really uh, you know and then it's just uh, you know uploading a CSV and you're off to the races so you know realistically you know we have people within um, you know within 24 hours are signed up have their CSV uploaded and are sending surveys you know within 24 to 48 hours. All right. Well, sign me up. I, uh, I'd like to talk to you guys <laughs> for sure. Cause this is one of yeah. my um, top uh, objectives right now is looking at client turn and why, uh, you know, why we can't keep them or if we can, what are the reasons? So I'm extremely interested. This is the awesome. oh, that we've done that I've had yeah. uh, the companies in. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have one. Well, thank you. And, and, th- and thank you so much for having us. Just, just in general, we really want to try and be resources for the industry. So, if anybody is interested in more data and want to talk about just stuff like that, what we're seeing, I'm always happy to jump on the phone with somebody and rap about it. It doesn't have to be about our service, but it could be about all kinds of all kinds of other things. So um, thank you so much for having us on the podcast. This was an absolute blast. Yeah, it was really great. Oh, yeah. I've learned a lot. This is some interesting stuff. I mean, unfortunately, I don't need your services because we have zero issues in our lab. <laughs> and I retain everybody. <laughs> It would be tens across the board, so oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. no. Well, it, it, it's tough. Excellent, Elvis. It's a, it's, a, it's a problem that we have here. Well, I mean, it's just... It's, being too good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, too good. Too good. Too just think, I don't believe The upside you. of that is you yeah. get to podcast more. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. think he's full of shit, so you can bleep me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could have been using that language this entire time. I had no... Yeah. Yes, I actually encourage it. <laughs> oh, for f***'s sake, come on. Yeah, there you go. Yep. We are in the dental lab industry. That's right. Before we offend all of our listeners, how can they get in touch with you? Tell us, what's your websites and your emails and all that? Uh, so. You bet. So our website, uh, where you can go on and learn more and all that good stuff, and you can even sign up there, uh, is labworthy.com. That's L-A-B-W-O-R-T-H-Y.com. And my email address is john at labworthy.com. And Trevor is Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R, at labworthy.com. And if you are in the Pacific Northwest, please welcome Trevor. He just moved to Seattle. Awesome. Yeah, happy to sit down and chat with anybody if uh, if you guys actually want in-person conversation. I am looking for friends. So Awesome. <laughs> You're in a beautiful area. Yeah. This is not a personal... <laughs> hey. Wrong podcast, Trevor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
So and and I'm I'm in Los oh, Angeles funny. and oh, and uh, so I I I'm always happy to jump in the car, get together, that kind of thing. So uh, that, that and then we have, we have also a group in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Well, all these links we'll put up on the episode pages so people can just head over to voicesfromthebench.com because they're usually they're in a car or they're working and, you know, click on it later. Appreciate you guys coming on. I think it was some really good information and hopefully our listeners learned a bunch and can have a new kind of a fire starting on ways to improve business. I think it's some great stuff. And yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And we do post regularly on the blog on our site. So if they are looking for any information, don't actually want to talk with us. We do post uh, updated industry insights and, and things of that nature on our blog, uh, which is at labworthy.com. Awesome. Do you guys get a booth at like Lab Day or anything, or do you go to any conventions? Uh, yeah, John was actually just at the San Francisco one. We go to the Chicago one at ADA. Awesome. We'll be ADA. Yeah, the ADA. And, um, okay. So, yeah, we, we try and get out to as many as possible. And we go to Lab Day. Cool. Yeah, I think it's a great service. I think a lot of us spend so much time on the product, but not the overall experience, you know? Yep. So I think it's great. I good stuff thank you so much yeah we appreciate you guys uh i appreciate you responding to my my messages uh on uh on linkedin and all that stuff this has been a really really good experience yeah you caught me when i was sick as a dog i remember that that. yeah i didn't respond for like a week because i didn't i didn't get up for a week so no i appreciate you guys hanging on and uh thank you so much for the interview and uh hopefully we'll have you back on sometime maybe when trends start to change again yeah definitely I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to John Schwartz and Trevor Willenberg from Labworthy telling us about what they have learned. Some really interesting stuff. So just so you guys know, I've been using Labworthy for a couple months now, and I'm getting a lot of interesting feedback. And it's allowed me to get some clients back before they actually left us because they gave us low ratings. So um, I do attest to the fact that it works. Do you think you've actually saved clients from leaving? Yeah. Yeah? When they were sixes, they're almost out the door. And if yeah. they rate you a six, you know, you might not have known that it was a case that wasn't didn't go well. But when you see the six up there, you go out to them. How's it going? It gives you the opportunity to kind of put them on the a-list and just let you know your people know that they've had issues with cases and yeah i definitely think so i think it's a good thing and i think a lot of us could uh, utilize their services just remember labworthy.com i want to also remind everyone that they have extended that discount to the listeners of the podcast so use the code vftb which stands for voices from the bench when signing up to get a 20 percent discount off their usual pricing Thanks again, guys. And I really want to thank Trevor for listening to the podcast and reaching out to us about being on the show. It's that easy, people. If you just want to drop us an email at voicesfromthebench.com with an idea, we'll have you on. And we make it very, very, very comfortable for you because we're getting used to this now, finally. Let's not forget that long sleeve t-shirts are still on sale. Everyone head over to voicesfromthebench.com, order yourself a long sleeve t-shirt, and all the proceeds go to the Foundation for Dental Lab Technology. That's great, Elvis. Thank you for doing that. Now we have short sleeve, long sleeve. I'm going to go get mine next week. Excellent. All right. I appreciate everybody. Have a good week. Have a great week. Bye. Just so you guys know, that took us about eight or nine takes to get that.